0: As some of you know, uh, my wife and I, Joelle, will be leaving Loma Linda probably in a few months, and I'm sad to think about it, but the Lord has called us to do mission service. We will be going to Trinidad, and I will be serving as a neurologist at the Adventist Hospital in Port of Spain in Trinidad. And I will finish my training here in Loma Linda at the end of June. It's hard to believe that that will be the end of nine years here in this town, it seems like. I just came here, and before long, I'd been here longer than a lot of my friends, so time goes by fast. But with the thought that I'll be leaving soon, and I'm just a human being like anyone else, I do want to share the the few remaining times I will be up front here, things that are dear to my heart, that I believe are important for each one of us as Seventh-day Adventists living at this time in earth's history. Before we start our message, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this special Sabbath when we can come together and we pray that your spirit would come into this room right now that you would speak through me and that we would be open to the message for this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you believe we are living in momentous and awesome times? We are so privileged to live at this time in earth's history. And it is March 7, 2009 today. And it has never been this late before, in earth's history. We really need to be awake to what is happening in our world. How many of you pay attention to the news? I mean, when you, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. And it's a reminder to us that if there was ever a time that we needed to have a close walk with the Lord, now is that time. It's too late in earth's history to be walking on the fence trying to have it both ways with God. And if we ever needed to have an experience of righteousness by faith right now, this is the time. And right now, God is looking down with love and pity upon us, his people, and he wants to come and take us home. But in his love... He will only take home a group of people when they are ready to meet him. So we can be thankful that he has delayed his coming this long. But yet we want to see him come soon. Amen. You know, I have to, I'm speaking to myself here, but I think so many of us are trying to have things both ways. We like to come here on Sabbath and hear good messages that point to the second coming of Christ. And then we go home and hardly think about Jesus' second coming the rest of the week. And if we're not thinking about the second coming during the week, what makes us think we'll be ready for it when he comes? That should be the driving motivation that motivates us every day of our life is Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven. Because if he is truly our best and dearest friend, we will want to see him sooner rather than later. We would be thrilled if he came before we got our MD or finished our residency or finished whatever, whatever, whatever other education you know, program or career plans that we have because he's our best friend. And in fact, we would be thrilled if he came before we got married because we are more in love with Christ than with anybody else here on this earth. That is what it means to be looking forward for Jesus to come. And my burden for us as a people is, let's not just be hearers of the word only. We hear a lot of good messages from week to week, but are we living it in our life? And I want to read a quote from Testimonies, Volume 9, page 19. Notice what Ellen White says. In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light-bearers. To them has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them is shining wonderful light from the Word of God. They have been given a work of the most solemn import, the proclamation of the first, second, and the third angel's messages. Amen? There is no other work of so great importance. They are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. Did you hear that? Nothing else in this life should absorb our attention besides the proclamation of the three angels' messages. And an interesting correlation to the three angels' messages. In Review and Herald, April 1, 1890, Ellen White says, several have written to me inquiring if the message of justification by faith is the third angel's message. And I have answered, it is the third angel's message in verity. Now let's think about this here. If the three angels' messages are the messages that we should give everything in our lives for, that nothing else should absorb our attention, and if the message of justification by faith is the third angel's message in verity, that means that we should allow nothing else to absorb our attention besides the message of justification by faith. Does that make sense? So the message of justification by faith is at the heart of righteousness by faith. And it's also at the heart of the third angel's message. So what we are going to look at today is, what is that connection between justification by faith and the third angel's message? And when we see that connection, are we allowing that to be the driving force in our lives in preparation for the second coming of Christ? A lot of times, we like to preach about the nearness of Christ's coming, but the message of Christ and his righteousness, the message of justification by faith, is not as closely connected to that message as it should be. Now, one other point that I want to make. When we preach the third angel's message, the third angel's message is so powerful that it doesn't need any help to give it extra force. And Ellen White makes this point in page 75 of Early Writings. She says, The Lord has shown me that the message of the third angel must go and be proclaimed to the scattered children of the Lord, but it must not be hung on time. I saw that some were getting a false excitement arising from preaching time. But the third angel's message is stronger than time can be. I saw that this message can stand on its own foundation and needs not time to strengthen it. And that it will go in mighty power and do its work and will be cut short in righteousness. So you see what Ellen White is saying here? What she's saying is the third angel's message doesn't need things like... The Sunday law is going to come by September of this year, so you better be ready. What she's saying is the third angel's message, which is justification by faith, is so powerful that it will do the work of bringing the second coming of Christ. And so what we want to look at today is what is the power of the third angel's message? And if justification by faith is part of that, what is justification by faith? Let's open up our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 5. And I invite you to join us for our Roman study every Wednesday night where we're going through the whole book. These are just some snapshot verses. Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 5. But to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly his faith is counted for righteousness verse 6 even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works saying blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered blessed is the man to whom the lord will not impute sin Notice what you see in these passages. We see that righteousness is counted to us, that our sins are forgiven and covered. That's good news, amen? When we have justification, our sins are covered and forgiven. That's a very good thing because the Bible also teaches in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we need justification. If we don't have justification, we are not saved. So justification is to be counted righteous and to have forgiveness of sin. And in Romans 4 verse 3 and in Romans 4 verse 22, we also see the same concept. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. Verse 22, it was imputed to him for righteousness. So synonyms for being justified means to be counted righteous to be imputed as righteous, or to have righteousness put in our account, the righteousness of Christ. Now, is justification merely a judicial act that covers us from our record of sin? Let's read Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now notice the work that takes place with justification here, starting in verse 5 of chapter 3. First, it's not according to our own works, it's according to his mercy, but notice this. Notice the words that are used, washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. This describes regeneration and renewal, which describes an inward experience that is associated with justification. Now, notice this. In Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 114, Ellen White gives us an even clearer picture of justification. She says, God's forgiveness, which by the way, forgiveness is justification. God's forgiveness is not merely a judicial act by which he sets us free from condemnation. It is not only forgiveness for sin, but reclaiming from sin. It is the outflow of redeeming love that transforms the heart. So there's the word transforms. David had the true conception, conception of forgiveness when he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So with the idea of forgiveness, And justification comes comes the concept of transformation and having a a clean heart created in us. And in Volume 6 of Bible Commentary, page 1098, Ellen White says, By receiving His imputed righteousness through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, we become like Him. Notice this, imputed righteousness, transforming power of the Holy Spirit, are connected. And then in First Selected Messages... Page 394. In ourselves we are sinners, but in Christ we are righteous. Having made us righteous through the imputed righteousness of Christ, God pronounces us just and treats us as just. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what Ellen White says about the imputed righteousness of Christ. She says, having made us righteous, that's a key point. We are not just declared righteous, we are also made righteous when we are justified. Amen. Now, what we're going to do in the remainder of our time is to show from the Bible how it is that being justified makes us righteous. Now, <clears throat> you'll notice that Ellen White quoted from Romans chapter five, verse one. Which says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what that tells us about the book of Romans is, the first four chapters show us how to be justified by faith. So we should study those first four chapters to know what justification is. You get to chapter 5 verse 1, therefore being justified by faith. That means everything before that shows you what justification is. And the rest of chapter 5 shows that, that even though Adam had an effect on all men, Christ has an effect that's even greater. And then you get to Romans chapter 6, and starting in verses 1 and 2, notice what Paul says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Notice what Paul's saying here. If we're dead to sin, how shall we live any longer sinning? And what Paul has proved thus far in the book of Romans is what it means to be justified. Now, the question is, when we are dead to sin, does that mean we are justified? And... If you go down just a few verses to verse 7 of Romans chapter 6, notice what Paul says. Romans chapter 6, verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Okay. Now, in my Bible, which happens to be the King James Version, there's a marginal reading for the phrase freed from sin. If you have a King James Version take a look at it. What's the marginal reading for freed from sin? It's justified. The word is justified. So if you read it that way, verse 7 says, he that is dead is justified. So when Paul says How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then a few verses later, he says, He that is dead is justified. What he's saying is, if you're justified, you don't keep sinning. You are dead to sin. And if you go back one verse to verse 6 of chapter 6, there is a similar concept here. We see a relationship of being justified and being dead to sin. But in verse 6, notice what Paul says. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, is there one word in verse 6 that is a synonym to a word in verse 7? In verse 7, we have, he that is dead is freed from sin, or he that is dead is justified. Is there one word in verse 6 that sounds very similar? It's the word crucified. If you're crucified, you're going to die, as we see happen to Jesus. So notice what Paul is saying. When we are crucified, the body of sin is destroyed. And when we are crucified... We become dead to sin. Now, that raises an interesting question. Is there then a relationship between being justified and being crucified? Let's look at some other Bible passages here. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 16. And this describes the process of justification. Starting in verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, notice this, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So, let's make a little diagram on the board here. So, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, how are we justified? By the faith of Jesus Christ. Okay? And it says that twice in that verse, and then in verse seventeen, Paul says, "But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid." Notice what Paul's saying there. If you are, if you think you are justified, but you keep sinning, do you think Christ is going to continue to justify you? No, He is not the minister of sin. God forbid. Now, in verse 20, we see a similar concept come back. Here's the word crucified, and we know this verse, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, Who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, let's make, let's add to our diagram here. So in Galatians 220, I am crucified with Christ. That's similar to Romans chapter 6, verse 6. What happens when I'm crucified with Christ? Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, how do I live it? By the faith of the Son of God. So, I live by the faith of Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God, amen? So, if I'm justified by the faith of Jesus Christ, And if I'm crucified by the faith of Jesus Christ, that says to me that to be justified is to be crucified. Because if A and B have the same mechanism, A must equal B. Simple logic. I'm justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. When I'm crucified, I live by the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, to make this point clear think about it this way. When I am crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So when I exercise faith, who is it that's exercising faith in my crucified life? It's Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is living in me. So I'm crucified, I am dead, and when I exercise faith, It's the living Christ, his faith, that lives through me. So when I am crucified, I live by the faith of Jesus. When I am justified, I live by the faith of Jesus. Which then suggests, in order to be justified, Christ must be, he must live in me. So you know what that means You cannot be justified by having the righteousness of Christ simply outside of you. In order to be justified, Christ must live in you. Because to be crucified, Christ lives in you, and you live by the faith of Jesus. When you're justified, you live by the faith of Jesus. If you're justified and crucified and you live by the faith of Jesus both ways... And if when you're crucified, Christ lives in you, then when you're justified, Christ must live in you. Does that make sense? So that is a powerful concept. And when you see it that way, justification by faith makes a lot more sense. And let's talk a little bit about Christ being crucified. Did Jesus want to be crucified? In Gethsemane, what did he say? Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but thine be done. And when Christ was on the cross, we are told that he could not see through the portals of the tomb. And only by faith could he go through with that sacrifice. So to be crucified means that your human nature doesn't get its way. Christ's human nature didn't get his way when it came to the cross. And when you live by the faith of Jesus Christ, hey, if Jesus couldn't see through the portals of the tomb, why should we think that we can know the beginning to the end in our life? Um, And then if we can't, we don't exercise faith. Jesus exercised faith. And even if we can't see the beginning to the end, we live by faith as well. So, Ellen White adds to this thought. In First Selected Messages, page 366. But while God can be just and yet justify the sinner through the merits of Christ, no man can cover his soul with the garments of Christ's righteousness while practicing known sins or neglecting known duties. Did you hear that? So to say I can be covered with the righteousness of Christ and continue to sin and knowingly sin goes directly against the teaching of the Bible and Ellen White's writings. And then she says, God requires... The entire surrender of the heart before justification can take place. Now what does surrender sound like? Entire surrender. That sounds like being crucified. 100% submission to the will of God. God requires the entire surrender of the heart before justification can take place. And in order for man to retain justification, there must be continual obedience through active, living faith that works by love and purifies the soul. Now, I'll tell a brief story. We don't have a lot of time here, but in practical life, We are faced with decisions every day as to whether or not we will surrender all to God. If we will be crucified with Christ. And um, a few months ago, Joelle and I had the privilege of going to Maine, where the the Penner's parents are from. We were invited to speak at the church there. And we got to the airport on Thursday night. We are going to take an overnight flight to the East Coast. And found out that there was bad weather in Phoenix, which delayed the planes coming to Ontario. Therefore, we missed our flight to Las Vegas, which was then going to take us to Philadelphia, then to Boston. And so, I go to the ticket counter, and I'm like, okay, I need to get to Boston by tomorrow. And they said, well, we can get you there by 5.30 in the evening. Because the three-hour time change makes it really hard to go to the East Coast in a good amount of time. And so very quickly, I realized that the plan for a Friday night message and two on Sabbath was quickly going to be threatened. And my human nature rose up within me and said, This is ridiculous. How in the world? Could Phoenix of all places be, being, be having bad weather that could prevent us in August of all times to get to the East Coast? What in the world? I was very angry. And um, Joelle's like, Norman, calm down. <laughs> and um, I had a decision to make. Would I surrender the trip to the Lord? Or would I pout about the change in plans. And I made a decision to give the trip to the Lord, and if He wanted the trip to happen, it would happen. And I should add that it was also a special trip, because it was going to be our, celebrating our first anniversary and all of that. So we, get, we decide that it would be better to go from Ontario to Las Vegas, so that we can at least make some forward progress, because Ontario doesn't really go too far most of the time, at least with U.S. Airways. And so, we get to Las Vegas, and one thing that had caught my eye was that not only was there a direct flight from Las Vegas to Philadelphia, there was also a direct flight from Las Vegas to Boston. And we landed in Las Vegas like two and a half hours late, and all of the flights should have left by that point. And we checked the monitors, and sure enough, the flight to Philadelphia had left. So we had missed our connection. However... The flight to Boston was still sitting in the tarmac. And we ran down there, and they were just about to close the gate, and they had two seats left on the plane. And we got on that flight, and we made it to Boston earlier than we would have otherwise because it was a direct flight. And we got to the meeting, and the Lord really blessed. Now, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes we miss that flight to Boston And we have a choice to make. Are we going to be crucified with Christ? Or are we going to let the old man of sin rise up and be grumpy and angry and and mean and irritable and the worst person in the world to be around? The truth of the matter is that we as God's people should be the nicest people in the world to be around. All the time. Even in trying circumstances. Jesus Christ was. And if we are crucified with Christ and Christ lives in us, we should be the nicest people in the world. Amen? Amen. (laughs) The question then is, what then does being justified by faith have to do with the third angel's message? How is it the third angel's message in Verity? We just have a few minutes left. I'm going to point out just a few verses. In the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2, we have a very famous passage in verses 3 and 4. And it's so famous that Paul quotes it in Romans chapter 117. He also quotes it in Hebrews chapter 10. And the phrase that he quotes is, the just shall live by faith. Okay? Now, it stands to reason that if you're just and if you're living by faith, you must be experiencing justification by faith. Does that make sense? If the just lives by faith, they must be justified by faith. You cannot be just without being justified. And in Habakkuk chapter 2, in verse 3, without reading it, we see the prophecy of the delay of October 22, 1844. Ellen White verifies that. The verse says, Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So verse 3 is clearly talking about the rise of the Second Advent Movement. And when it says it will come, that is speaking specifically of the midnight cry phase of the Second Advent Movement, which was from August to October. Now, if verse 3 is talking about the Second Advent Movement and takes us up to October 22, 1844, then verse 4, it would stand to reason, would have something to do with the Second Advent Movement as well. And in verse 4 it says, Because, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, here we see that God predicts a time when there will be a group of people who are just and living by faith. That means that after the experience of the delay, God would raise up a group of people that experience justification by faith. Does that make sense? Now, if God raises up a group of people who are justified by faith, that means he's going to have a group of people who are crucified with Christ and who Christ lives in them, and they live by the faith of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So here you have a movement that God is raising up. They experience the delay. But then after that, the just live by faith. They live by the faith of Jesus Christ because Christ is living in them. Now, the question is, can we connect this concept to the third angel's message? And the answer very clearly is yes. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, which is the end of the third angel's message. The first angel's message is verses 6 and 7. The second angel's message is verse 8. And the third angel's message is verses 9 to 12. And in verse 12, this is what we read. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So, in the third angel's message... The message is there will be a group of people who live by the faith of Jesus Christ. And if they live by the faith of Jesus Christ, that means they are justified, which means they are crucified with Christ, which means that Christ is living in them. So this is a group of people who have the experience of the third angel's message. And Ellen White, as we quoted before, Review and Herald, April 1, 1890, she says, The message of justification by faith is the third angel's message in verity. Now, let me say this. The message of justification by faith is the third angel's message in Verity because if you're justified, you live by the faith of Jesus Christ. The message of justification by faith is not, I'm covered with Christ's righteousness and I'm still sinning, and that's the third angel's message. That is error. That is not true. The truth of the third angel's message is when we are justified, we are crucified with Christ, we've given our lives 100% to Jesus Christ, He lives in us, and when we exercise faith, we exercise His faith. How would you ha- like to have a life like that? How powerful would your life be? What would the world see if there were a group of people who exercised the faith of Jesus Christ as opposed to... Letting the old man of self rise up every time we get challenged. This is the third angel's message in Verity. And it's why Revelation 18 describes the time when the, the message of Christ's righteousness will lighten the earth with its glory. And there's one other connection to make. Notice how that when we are crucified with Christ, Christ lives in us. Therefore, if we're justified by faith, Christ lives in us. Do you remember that prophecy in Revelation ten seven that says the mystery of God should be finished while the seventh trumpet is sounding? What's the mystery of God? Colossians one says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. When did the seventh trumpet begin to sound? Revelation eleven nineteen 19 clearly shows us it was October 22, 1844, which suggests that from October 22, 1844, With the mystery of God being finished, what that means is, yes, Christ in us will reach its completion. What that also means is that justification by faith or righteousness by faith will reach its completion in the lives of God's people. And when that happens, Christ's character will be revealed in its fullness to the world. And when that happens in the time of judgment, then God will be vindicated to end the judgment. And the seventh trumpet will no longer need to sound. You know, it's interesting. In 1888, A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner had this concept. And I'll close with just a few quotes here. This is from General Conference Bulletin 1893 by A.T. Jones. Christ is to be in us just as God was in him, and his character is to be in us just as God was in him. It is the cooperation of the divine and the human, the mystery of God in you and me. That is the third angel's message. Do you see that? Christ in you, living by the faith of Jesus, is the third angel's message. That was the 1888 message. E.J. Wagner, 1891. In all of our Christian experiences, we have left little loopholes along here and there for sin. We have never dared to come to that place where we would believe that the Christian life should be a sinless life. We have not dared to believe it or preach it. But in that case, we cannot preach the law of God fully. Why not? Because we do not understand the power of justification by faith. Notice the 1888 message. Justification by faith. Christ lives in me. I live by the faith of Jesus. That gives me power over sin in this life. That is the third angel's message. And a couple of quotes from Ellen White. Third Selected Message is page 360. He who has not sufficient faith in Christ to believe that he can keep him from sinning has not the faith that will give him an entrance into the kingdom of God. In Heavenly Places, page 146. Everyone who by faith obeys God's commandments, will reach the condition of sinlessness in which Adam lived before his transgression. That's powerful. By faith. You know, back on September 11, 2001, I was a second year medical student. I didn't think that I would be standing here on this earth in 2009. And yet we are still here. Which suggests that the experience of justification by faith has not yet been finished in the lives of God's people. And if we have this experience of being justified, of being crucified, of having Christ living in us, our lives will be very different. And in fact, there's probably a lot of things that our human nature really enjoys that if we are crucified with Christ, would go away. Maybe the way we dress, maybe the music we listen to, maybe the things we watch, maybe the people we hang out with. If we are crucified with Christ, our human nature says, hey, this is fun, let's do this. No, let's live the way Christ would live. And we do so in a way that's winsome and loving. And when we have that kind of an experience, we will have something that the world wants. And so, as I close here today, my challenge to each one of us is God is looking for a group of people who have all the light that could have, has been given to this point in earth's history who will take that knowledge and surrender 100% to Jesus Christ, not 98% and 2% of the old man. 100% crucified with Christ, we exercise the faith of Jesus, then the third angel's message has special power. And when we have that experience in our lives, we will have a message that will shake the world. It will be stronger than any earthquake that could hit California. Because the message of Christ and his righteousness is that powerful. So I appeal to each one of us today, let's surrender to Jesus Christ. Let Jesus come in. He's saying to Laodicea, let me come in. I will come into you. That is what we need at this time in earth's history. Let's be faithful. And I I would ask those of you who want to be 100% surrendered to Jesus Christ, to have the third angel's message fulfilled in your life so you can share it to the world, I would invite you to stand with me as we pray. Father in heaven, you see all the people who are standing and you know that each one of us here want to have the experience of justification by faith. We want to have the experience of the third angel's message and all of its power in our lives. Forgive us for allowing the devil to make certain things in this world seem to be more important or more attractive than a Christ-filled life. We pray for forgiveness and we pray for power that you will help us to choose to surrender 100% so that you can come into our hearts And make us righteous. And make us into people just like Jesus. So that when we exercise faith, it will be the faith of Jesus Christ. And that people will see us as the nicest, most loving, happy, cheerful people in the whole world. And we pray that this work will happen very soon. So that Jesus can come in our lifetime. So that we can be with our best and dearest friend.